0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports uh, here in our uh, undisclosed location. In midtown Manhattan on the west side, here on a kind of overcast, whatever day this is. uh,
0: It is a Wednesday.
2: It's a Wednesday, Wednesday. here with uh, my co-host, co-host, the great Jamal Murphy. Murph, what's happening?
0: What's up, Bill? I'm, I'm, uh, you know, back in town. Yeah. Nice little, nice little. uh,
2: You out in L.A.?
0: LA and then uh, Chicago for the All Star game before that. Oh,
2: yeah. We'll have to talk about that with our guest. Yes. Uh, And then, of course, with the wonderful Aaron Matthewson. Aaron, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Good to see you. And, of course, our uh, special esteemed guest, uh, one of the greatest uh, documentarians and filmmakers uh, in our business, in the business, uh, the great and wonderful Stanley Nelson. Stanley. Thanks, Stanley.
3: Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, man. Last time we had you on Bro's Pod, we were talking about Black Panther. Right. The original Black Panthers, Right, right. Right? And that, that, yeah. and that, that was good, too, though, because the other Black Panther came out, Then your film had to remind people.
0: The real, yeah, the real uh, story. The, the Black Panther's right. vanguard yeah. of the revolution. Yeah.
2: But you're coming off of, uh, later when we talk about this, I'm going to talk about your energy and how you do this stuff. But uh, you're coming off of two tremendous documentaries, uh, Miles which is just phenomenal, just a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, work, um, and it just aired on PBS yesterday, Tuesday. Right. Um, so, um, I guess people could watch the re-air at some point.
3: Yeah, or if you know, if you go to PBS.org, you can stream it. It's it, it's there. Mm-hmm. Also, one, one of the things that let me throw in that, that mm-hmm. last night, right before the film, they did a little blurb. For uh, the Black Panthers, which apparently oh, wow. you can still stream at, at, I think it's pbs.org. That
2: was a great so, doc, too. But you've done question. lots of great docs, <laughs> right. lots of great docs. Um, but then, uh, so... But wait, come, but before uh, uh, that, uh, Miles,
0: uh, it's Miles Davis' Birth mm-hmm. of the Cool. So if yeah. you want to you check that out, um,
3: Google it, uh, <clears throat> find it on PBS, like Stanley said. Can you purchase it? Yeah, uh, you can purchase it from uh, PBS. I, I guess you can get it at PBS.org and their distribution line is called PBSD.
2: Mm. Mm. Yeah, that would be definitely worth having. And then, um, Miles, Birth of the Cool, but then uh, you just came up yet another one. Right. Uh, Vic. Right. The great Michael Vic. Right. You know, and ran during the Super Bowl. Um, so, man, you've been really, really busy now. What are you doing now?
3: Uh, we're doing a couple of things. We're, we're doing a, a film. Um, uh, for, for Netflix uh, on the crack era. Oh, okay. um, We're doing a, a film for Showtime on Attica. Mm. To oh, wow. Go with the uh, 50th um, anniversary, which is in 21. Uh, uh, we're oh, doing wow. a, a huge mm. piece um, that we've been trying to get off the ground for years on the Atlantic slave trade. It's a four-hour uh, production for PBS, looking at at, at the trade. You know, there have been a number of films about slavery, um, but this is really a film about the the slave trade. You know, the international business in humans um, that put into place so many things that that uh, are, are, are kind of foundations of, of civilization today, you know, insurance and shipping, mm. and banking, and all those things. Is
2: this, is this tied to the 16, the very 1619 projects? You know that?
3: No, not really. I mean, you know, we're aware of it, in 1619, the thing the New York Times is doing, which is really incredible. Um, uh, but no, this is something that we've been thinking about probably for 15 years, and, uh-huh. and uh, you know, off and on, and, and uh, we finally uh, were able to raise the money to actually 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 do it and so we're in production we haven't shot anything we're going to start shooting uh in March so wow. all right so
2: so look there's so so much man yeah you know, where, where do you I mean there's so much to start where do you get your energy from I mean you I mean just in the last what two years alone man it's been Miles then Vic uh you know, black Panther. Uh, the black well, Black Panther was before.
0: Tell yeah. tell them we are rising.
2: Yeah, tell yeah. tell them we, were, we forgot about that. I, I did. I actually drove to uh, 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 Sundance, right? Yeah,
3: S- yeah. Sundance yeah. to see yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but let me let,
2: I want to. Um, what do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about Miles first? I mean, because they were t- you, you go from Miles to Vic. So in a way, they're kind of related. In a way, I mean,
0: right. everything's related. Yeah, kinda. Yeah. Like,
2: yeah. They're all two two young black men. Who would you say out of Miles and Vic, I would argue that I guess Miles, although he did spend some time, did he? Did he? Did he, did he do prison time? No, no he, he never, no. Did yeah. Time. Yeah. never did prison time. Never did prison time. So who was the more, or how were they each compelling in their own way? Miles and then Vic.
3: Well, I mean, you know, I, I think that that Miles is probably. I, I would argue both Gemini. I would argue that. Yeah, I would argue that Miles and I'm a Gemini too, right. so right. that's a, that just makes me crazy. <laughs> I, 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 I would argue that Miles is, you know, definitely one of the the, the top five musicians in any. Uh, type of music in, in the twentieth century, you know, there's nobody like Miles. Miles changed jazz around, you know, five or six times. He changed rock, you know, with Bitches Brew. He he was just so and such an important musician. So yeah, you know, there's nobody that that, that that like is like Miles. I mean, one thing that I know is that you know, you go a hundred years from now, people will be listening to kind of blue. You know, exactly. like, like yeah. you have no doubt in your mind that that's something that people will be listening right. to. It's you know the best-selling jazz album of all time, arguably the greatest you know jazz album of all time, um, and so it's just an incredible piece of work. You know, here is how incredible kind of blue is. You couldn't say to me like, "What is the great? What's the greatest rock album of all time?" Right? right. You know, right? There is nothing that comes to your mind. You know, if you say the greatest jazz album of all time, everybody would say, "Oh." You know, it might be kind of blue, so that's that's how important you know you know Miles is, and, and I think Michael Vick is just an incredible story, and uh, one of the reasons why we went into it with thirty for thirty is that we felt there was a story that that was beyond sports you know i mean it's a sports story, but it's also something more than sports you know and and, and that's something I really liked about it because it gets mm. at so many other things you know it gets at race, it gets at, mm. at black quarterbacks, it gets at at poverty uh, it mm. gets at so many, so many things that 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 we uh, uh wanted to talk about
2: was was he given a bad deal
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. in, in, in one word, you know. I mean, I mean you know, I could say that now the film is aired and and you know we're done. But you know, it's something we didn't want to say in that way. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anybody ever went to jail for almost two years for dog fighting. Mm. I mean, it's just it's just it's just really shocking. And and I think that you know any look the people who prosecuted him said you know outright that they wanted to make an example of him, and they did. And it worked in some ways, you know, because before Michael Vick, I didn't know that dog fighting was illegal, right? And that you could go to jail. Right. For, Neither did he. Nobody knew. <laughs> That's it, what he said, right? But, but now, <laughs> but now everybody knows, and so that was the example they they made, you know, um, and it, and it worked. Um, but yeah, I think that you know his punishment to punish, uh, you know especially an athlete who's in the prime of their career, right. um, you know, who's making, you know, a ton of money and, and, and to, you know, sink him into into what could have been lasting poverty. Hmm. Um, you know, he went bankrupt. He went to jail. You know, his, he had a family, all of those things. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if you ask me my opinion, yeah, it was it was a raw deal. Mm.
1: Do you think it highlighted a racial divide between the way people look at dogs? Like, I think... There's this kind of stereotype that black people are not as big a dog lovers as white people, and this is why he went to jail.
3: Okay, I mean, that, that's a really interesting question because that's something that we dealt with in the film and in the edit room we had to deal with. And, and what I, you know, like kind of the epiphany, the light bulb that came off for me was it's not that black and white people look at dogs differently. Okay, although we do you know, and we, and we could go into that, but that would make a whole film in, in of itself right? but you know but 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 that was but that wasn't to me the problem with Vic. it was the way it was the lens that we looked through it at it through, so white people saw it as this dog fighting issue, this you know horrible thing that he had done to dogs, and black people saw it as a criminal justice issue, exactly you know like exactly. like, like like we know. That 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 black people, black men have have been railroaded and, and unjustly punished by the criminal justice system for you know literally hundreds of years, and so we looked at it in that way. White people looked at it like, oh, he he mistreated dogs. Right. So I, I think that 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 was important for us in making the film because we don't want to say, oh, black people don't love dogs. That's, <laughs> right. You know, that's the problem. Right. That's not the problem. Right. It, it it's how you look at what the the Mike Vick story. Well, and and you dealt with it. You know, tremendously in in the dock because
0: you you kind of point that out, and and you also point out the fact that white people uh, fight dogs also. I'm sure yeah, more right, exactly. more of them more do so. that, right. and 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 pointed out the fact that the one of the guys I forget which one Tony I think it was he was he was schooled to the game by older white guys who told him how to how to handle the dogs, and you know that you had to put them down if they lost and all that kind of stuff. So. You know, I don't even think there's really a racial divide between you know how black people and white people white people do that same thing, mm-hmm. and they obviously were not prosecuted in that in that same
3: way. Yeah, I mean, it's also there's a cultural divide, and, and so besides there being a racial divide, and the racial divide is not about dogfighting. Again, it's about the punishment right. that that Mike uh, received. But I, I think there's also a cultural divide, and one of the things that we had to show in the film because it was said over and over again. Is that white people fight dogs? You know, and that's, <laughs> and that's something that that's done, you know, in certain parts, especially of the South. Right. You know, that people—that's what people do, um, and and so you know, um, you can come you can come from somewhere else and look at it and say, oh, this is the most horrible thing. But what we wanted to show that for Mike and, and the people that he grew up with and the, the, those people, you know, in Virginia, Newport News, it was not. This was something that they never saw anybody punished for. And right. so it it didn't seem like it was all that bad. One of the interesting things, I'll just add this, that somebody said to us, one of Mike's uh, and, and, you know, his partners in it said to us that I thought was, was amazing. We didn't we didn't we weren't able to use this in the film because I think they didn't say it on camera. Was like they, they said, Look, if somebody had come to us and said, This is wrong, don't do it, you might go to jail. We would have said, Okay, that's fine. <laughs> right. That's fine. Right. You know, we don't have to do this, we'll stop. Right. You know, but, but they, nobody even said that. But I mean, I guess
2: the thing is, and I mean, this makes you, wrestle. I mean, I do like dogs, I like my dog. And this, <laughs> the, you know, and this is the thing about forgiveness. And I'm thinking, Well, if it had been one of my dogs that they'd been taken for bait dogs, I would never forgive them. I mean, I would <laughs> never forgive him. I'm just—I telling you, I would right. never. But it's easy like, to get into this whole. Oh, come on! You got—you got. Was well, my dog? <laughs> you were never getting my forgiveness. <laughs> you know. But um, what did you, did did? When you sat down, had you met Vic before this? No, no, no. So what was your? You know, what was it like when you finally sat down with him? Uh, you met him. You're sitting across from him. You've seen all the footage and all that kind of stuff. What was it like for you? And you've interviewed. Lots of people. I mean, you've interviewed some Black Panthers. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> a lot oh, yeah. of Black Panthers. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. You know, uh, what was what was it like interviewing
3: Vic? Well, I mean, I, I think that that because the difference is that this was Mike Vic's story. You know, so we, when you interview, you know, a Black Panther, you know, it's not it's not that one person's story. So we had a chance to to interview mike vick about his story so we originally agreed for him to do three interviews you know that that part of our, our deal with mike that he would do three interviews and what we wanted to do was make sure that that we got deeper and deeper and deeper as we went because mm. we did not want to we don't want to piss mike off you know in the first interview <laughs> and, like, and, and there was so much stuff that 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 was there that that was not um that controversial you know so we needed his background his family his the football stuff but we you know we did get into to the dog fighting but as you know and then we were able to to look at that interview and say okay we need to challenge him more on this and do we did back into the second one and we said let's let's press harder even on this and 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 we did it and you know i, I would say you know to mike's credit he he you know, there wasn't any question that he said you know i don't want to answer mm. that he didn't have any kind of, you know, press agent or agent or anybody with him at all. Not even his family. I mean, it was us and Mike in the room. And, you know, he was, I, I thought, you know, very, very honest um, about everything. So, you know, I felt really good about the interviews.
2: Mm-hmm. What, what about him? I mean, the sense of all the time he lost. I mean, you know, I mean, I guess I picked him up when he was in college and he was remarkable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things you talked about in the film that you could do all this stuff, but you forget this guy at at that era was like the most exciting player, black, white or indifferent in the National Football League. His jersey was number. I mean, Mike Vick was like LeBron. Right. Or Kobe. I mean, he was like and I think sometimes people can
3: forget how how bad he, he was like Lamar Jackson. Times five because he, he he was the first, exactly. you know, Lamar Jackson. Whenever you see Lamar Jackson, and we do it at the end of the film, you know, so many times they compare him to Michael Vick. You know, when Michael Vick was out there, you well, you compare him to Fran Tarkington. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you right. couldn't, there was nobody to compare <laughs> right. him to. Right. It was it was a complete, you know, phenomenon. So yeah. Yeah. Did did he? Um, I know one thing. Uh,
2: did he never? got into the thing about being the whole black quarterback thing? Or to what extent did he get into being the black quarterback thing, the controversy around, you know, being a black quarterback?
3: Yeah, I mean, he he did not really... Answer those questions in a real kind of contemplative way, and and you know I found that that that's kind of how and and you know better than I do about this bill you know that's kind of the attitude that so many you know black quarterbacks and athletes take you know um right. you know Tony Dungy is in the film and he's great mm-hmm. you know but but there's also this kind of well you know that's just the way it was back then you know that that that, that kind of attitude. Um, there's I, and it might be a thing with athletes that there tends not to be a lot of um, I don't know sour grapes or something you know the, it's just a different way of looking at something you know that's yeah. uh, you know and, and I did pretty well and things have changed and you know here, right. we, here, here we
0: are. That's a, yeah, I, I noticed that because because Michael Vick also you know along those same lines he didn't you know when the whole Kaepernick issue came up he was not. On Kaepernick's side, he you know he didn't think, uh you know he didn't think Kaepernick was going about it the right way. And I was wondering, you know, watching the film, almost you know because you know partly because of what he went through, does he kind of view it
3: himself as the NFL gave him this second chance? I think I think in some ways, but I I think you know once the hammer falls on you, as it fell on Mike. You know you're going to be very leery about what you say and what you do. <laughs> right. I mean, you understand the power of you what know, you're up against. Uh, yeah, this you know <laughs> this system that you're up against. You know that, as you say, Mike Vick was the most popular player in the NFL, the most popular jersey. He's on the cover of Madden. You know and. You know, they, they go into his life and find that he's treating dogs bad, and the next thing you know, he's in Leavenworth. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's rough. And so, you know, I, I, I would be a little bit, you know, I, I wouldn't have answered any questions. <laughs> <laughs> I why why, why do you think he did the documentary? I think, that, I think that Mike, you know, Mike wants his story told, you know. And, and, you know, it's like he did the 60 Minutes interview. You know, Mike feels that, you know, he has nothing to hide. You know, this is what happened. I, you know, I have nothing to hide. This is who I am. And, you know, it might be some, in some ways a little bit naive, you know, that if I lay it out there, you'll see that I'm a good person and everything, everything will be okay. I think there's that sense of, 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 of Mike still. But even I was down at Orlando during the Pro Bowl.
2: And Vic was there, and there were people there, oh, yeah. like like protesting, like wow. No,
3: yeah, yeah they got hundreds of thousands yeah. of signatures mm. to 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 try to keep him from being an honorary coach in the Pro Bowl. And I, I'll say this, you know, to the NFL's credit, they said no, you know, we're not going to listen to this. You know, Mike Vic is our choice, and we're going to go with it. And they did.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was a good deal. Actually, I remember one day meeting him on the street. Somewhere. This was when I was at the Times. Because at the Times, I'd been writing these columns about Vic, Marion Jones, and Barry Bonds. Those were the three. They were going after them all at the same time. Three of the most high-profile black athletes at the time. Vic, Jones, and, and, and Bonds. They got Marion, and they got Vic. They spent billions of dollars and still couldn't get Bonds. You know, but, you know, it was just... And I remember going after it. We had one guy on the time staff, uh, Mike Schmidt, who had been in contact with. You know, he was working closely with the, the government people, and so I get these. Mike would say something, and I knew it was coming from them. You know, I was like, well, why? I said, listen, man, isn't there a white guy? Isn't there some white? <laughs> right. There's some white person somewhere in on Earth, one white star who's doing something, jaywalking. Looking the wrong way. There's certainly gotta be one big white athlete who's doing something. You know. (laughs) And you know, um there's no question that it is more of just like an observation about how Vic was he he was he was a victim. He was a victim, but then he brought, you know, he brought this stuff on himself. I mean
3: Right. And, 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 and that that that's the dilemma. And that's the kind of the dilemma for us as storytellers, because, you know, he's not an innocent, you know. So, you know, it, it, it was very clear that, that, you know, he did it. It was very clear that what 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 he did and what they did was wrong. But I think we wanted to also to say it's very clear that that the, the 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 punishment doesn't fit the crime, you know, so there, all of those things are true. But would you would you be interested in doing a
2: Kobe Bryant film and 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 the reason I ask that we get into this whole idea of you know we get this whole idea of you know the, the reality is that you do what you do and and you know the, what, is it, what is it the moving finger writes and having writ moves on Right. <laughs> neither your piety nor wit can cancel out a line nor where all your tears. Wash out a word of it. So I'm impressed
3: by what you just said.
2: Yeah, I, I yeah, rehearsed that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who said that? The prophet. Oh, oh
1: Khalil Gibran. Yeah, okay. of
2: course. Everybody knows that. <laughs> I learned that. But uh, so I asked you about Kobe. Would you, would you be interested in doing that? And, and
3: how would you deal with that? I would I would be really interested in doing Kobe in ten years, <laughs> you know, letting some time pass because I mean I, I think that Kobe is a really fascinating character, you know, and that you know, um, you know, it's understandable the way it's it's being portrayed now, but but when Kobe was playing, you know, I mean he was not a nice guy. You know, there was a lot that wasn't nice about him, you know, and, and you know, now it's being, you know, you know and, and, you know, I understand where, where we are, so we don't want to talk about that. But I think that's really an interesting thing, you know, that, that you know, how, I mean, it's almost like Kobe's Miles Davis, you know, like Miles Davis mm-hmm. was driven to mm-hmm. the music and that's all that matters. You know, so Kobe was basketball and winning. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. And it and you know, if 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 you're my teammate and you know, I got you know, I gotta curse you out or whatever, then then that's what's gonna happen because this is what matters, you know. Um and, and I think what's what's so fascinating about Kobe and, and one of the things I think that we see in all the love um that that, that was outpouring for Kobe is that he retired and he changed. Right. And that's what's incredible about Kobe is he became this other guy, and and you know it was almost like, you know like what the hell was I doing? Like mm. I wasn't, I wasn't you know like what was most important to me, right? You know, and and and, and but it also is, it's almost like that was what was important when I was doing that. Well, because that's what's important. Yeah, became yeah, he became, yeah, became
0: yeah. likable to me. Like I was one of the people you could call a Kobe hater, like just on the court. You know, I I don't remember ever rooting for Kobe, but in retirement,
3: you know, I I'd, I'd see him and I'd hear him speak. I'm like, oh,
0: I, I, I kind of like yeah. that guy. Yeah,
3: he's he's a he's a good guy, and I think that's one of the things that that made you know the it just you know even look is horrible and sad, but that's what made it even more because it was like, oh my god, this guy was just really de- developing yeah, as right. a human, you know, just taking it higher and higher and higher, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so ten ten years from now, I would lo- I would I would I would love to tell that story, but you know, when um, you could actually tell the truth, yeah. But right now, you know, you can't really I mean, tell the truth.
1: Um, you know, speaking of Kobe, I mean, I think it's for me, I see it as a him as a redemption story, or uh, much of a story as a redemption story. And I know you've caught you spoke to the undefeated, and you said that kind of what attracted you to Vic's story was that it was so complex. Would you, do you see Vic's story as a redemption story, and do you think he's, he's doing what he needs to do, or do you think there's something else he needs to do?
3: No, I mean, I, I think that, that the thing about Vic, and, and that's the thing that's so disheartening about the you know, hundreds of thousands of signatures and the people who still follow him around, is what else do you want the guy to do? What, you know, what, what do you want from him? You what's know? that about? Yeah, what's it about? This guy went to jail. You know, he, he had to declare bankruptcy. You know, um, he's, he's, you know, gone on national television over and over and apologized. He goes to, you know, Congress and talks about animal cruelty, goes to young kids and talks about, you know, how this. So what do you want? I mean, I, I think that one of the things I believe, especially about African-Americans, is that we believe in redemption you know we believe in redemption all of us have the cousin the brother the uncle you know who was hopeless hopelessly something and was redeemed and and so i think that 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 that's one of the things we believe in
2: did um, you mentioned kobe and miles did miles ever change you know you talk about how, how kobe changed right. i know it's, i know it's two different things i mean as an artist you never retire i mean just keep going
3: yeah, Miles changed. I mean, you know, Miles you know in in the film, you know, he we have a a track where an actor's reading as Miles from his autobiography and he's very self-reflective about, you know, who he was. You know, there's one line where he says, you know, I was I was cold as ice to everybody yeah. and that's the way I protected myself. You know, as Miles, you know, as Miles Comes out of what was the hiatus, the the incredible drug period that he lives from seventy five to eighty one, where he basically you know stays in the house, he doesn't pick up his horn, he just uses drugs and and does whatever. He comes out of that and becomes out of he comes out of it as a new man. You know now he's like on TV, he's talking to people. You know he he's smiling, he's you know a, just a, just a different guy. And I think so. I think there was a you know a, a change in Miles.
2: You know I mean you've dealt like with a lot of fascinating people. And Anisha, do you feel an obligation, you know, as an African-American, as an African-American male, like you said, the story is a story, but do you feel an obligation to maybe tell the right story or or set the record straight or just follow the truth where it leads and not necessarily uh, indict somebody? I mean, somebody else could do the Michael Vick story. It would probably be a whole different. it, It could be a whole different story.
3: No, I mean, I, I feel like it, it. You know, my role is to tell the story as I see it. Mm. You know, I, I feel like that's my role to tell the story as, as I see it. You know, early on, uh, we did a film on, on Marcus Garvey. You know, and it was very critical of, of Garvey in a lot of ways. You know, um, I think I think it was very even-handed. Finally, and, and but you know. Um, you know, we went to Jamaica, where Garvey's from, and showed that film, and we almost caused a riot. You yeah. know I mean? It was, it was like a riot. They actually, they actually uh, mm. the people in the venue, in the theater, actually offered us, you know, protection <laughs> and, and to go out the back door. And, and I was like, no, nah, I'm going out the front. <laughs> I'm walking right out the front, and if people want to argue, they can. But, you know, I mean, what we found about Garvey is there were a lot of problems you know, with, Garvey. And there was a lot of wonder of wonderful things about Marcus Garvey who basically set us on this path where we believe, you know, as black people, you know, all over the world that we're African. Right. That was Garvey. He said, you know, no, you know, we, we are from the diaspora. We are all united in some way, which is like, it's, that's such a big thing. You know, I mean, there's almost no, you know, there's nothing else you can say. It's just like, I mean, what what Garvey did. But you know there was a, a lot of things that, about Garvey that were that were messed up. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, the whole idea of going back to Africa okay. on three boats, you know, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't really make much sense, you know, and there was a lot that there, you know, um and and one of the things and I know I shouldn't be talking about Garvey, but one of the things that that this old guy we interviewed who was 96 said about Marcus Garvey that I loved and he didn't say it on camera. <laughs> we couldn't use it. But he said, you know, he said, you know, look I knew that that what Garvey was saying wasn't going to work. I knew that we how, we were never going to go back to Africa, you know, in mass. I knew that was not going to work. But I thought what he was saying was so important that I followed him anyway. Right. we were like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> well,
2: uh, what? What do you know now? You know, I, I know you teach. Uh, you either teach teaching or you just teach by doing. What do you know now? Uh, in terms of choosing your targets, approaching your stories, that it's just taking you a while, I mean, that you probably could not know when you are like, you know, 29 years old. You know, when you first start getting into this as a are as young, ambitious filmmaker, documentarian, what do you know now that you didn't know
3: then? Um, I, I think one of the important things that, that, that I know is that, you know, there's a way that, that, that these stories can be told. You know, and and kind of not to panic, you know, Mm. and and just to kind of keep looking at at different creative ways to tell these stories. And that what what we're doing here is trying to, you know, be an entertainment. You know, we're trying to tell Vic's story, but we're also trying to entertain you. We're trying to tell Miles's story, but we're trying to entertain you. And what I try to do is not doubt myself. Mm. As much because you know there's there's a lot of doubt that goes into doing anything, creating anything, and there's no you know people are like oh well you know don't you know that that film is going to be good because you made an you know two other good films You're like no it doesn't it, work like that. it doesn't <laughs> work like that you know it's like a writer a writer writes you know three books and the fourth one you don't feel like oh I got it now I got this no there's no you know there's uh. it's, it's it's a lot of self doubt it's a lot of fear. You know, but I I try like not. I try to think more about the solutions than the doubt. If that makes any sense.
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible has over one hundred eighty thousand book titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For you, the listeners of the Bill Roden on Sports podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free thirty-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. We highly recommend that you check out the classic $40 Dollar Slaves: The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of the Black Athlete" by the one and only William C. Roden, an absolute must read. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports. Again, that's audibletrial.com dot com backslash Bill Roden on Sports for your free audiobook.
2: So, uh, what what drives you? I mean, I, I think about this. Just all of us, me, you know, we're at some point, you know, you think, you know, at quote, our age, you know, like, you know, why don't you stop? You know, and then you go, stop and do what? Right. You know, right. And that's, I guess my question to you, what continues to drive us? I mean, I'm going to ask you about the projects you've got that we talked about off air, but you've got like three or four projects like now. So what continues to be the source of your passion or your drive to keep doing this?
3: Um, I like what I do. I like what i i like i like making films I like what i do moment to moment day to day you know um i, I that's that's really kind of what what drives me you know if if i if I didn't like it um you know I, I would think more about about stopping you know mm-hmm. but you know to tell you the truth you know <laughs> I guess, as time goes on i'm like hmm you know hmm. you know I, I sometimes you know you feel as you get as you get older you're like you know i could just like nurse this cup of coffee right. and look out the window you know right. it just it's just like a different speed that 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 your 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 mind and your body works at you know um uh, when you're young you're like i got to be doing right. something all, all the time you know but but i i'm starting starting to feel that but you know i mean i, I like what i do there's a lot more stories to tell um, you know, one of the things that really drives me is like, so on the Michael Vick project, you know, we had uh, four editors, we had three or four producers, associate producers, archive. Archival researchers, you know, all these people, and ninety percent of them were black, mm. Mm. you know, and ninety percent of them would not be, you know, might not have been working if I hadn't hired them, you know, and now they've got that credit on their film, uh, on on their resume, and they can go work on other projects and other films, and so, you know, I mean, it, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but but it, it is it is you know like a duty that I that I have. If I can get my foot in the door, I'm trying to get it in the door. Hold hold the door open and get some other and, people uh, in.
0: And you mentioned before, you, you know, you try to tell the story as you see it, but you are a black man, and and you're going to see it differently than what ninety five percent of the other movies, maybe more. Right. So you do get the different perspective, and that's one of the things that came out to me. Like we talked about this earlier, but but the whole you know showing the culture of where you know Michael Vick came from and and the dog fighting culture is something that you know was never brought to light by any other by any other person who told who told that story and it just you know at the time that it that the michael Vick uh case was going on you know i had just come you know i went to school at, i went to north carolina ant i was at, i'm from Bro- brooklyn new york but i you know i went to school in north Ca- greensboro north carolina i had friends i'd walk in a house and they have 20 pit bulls in the back hmm. you know i I didn't, you know, I, I had, I didn't know what to think. I'm just like, oh, this is, this is what, this is how it goes down. This is, this is what happens. They weren't mean people, you know. They, they loved their dogs, you know, quote unquote, love, you know, from what I could see, you know. So right. it was just something that I kind of understood, as you know, I kind of understood where, where, where Michael Vick and his friends were coming from. But you didn't, you never heard that side, and that's why. You know, it's it's very very important that you keep going, yeah. oh, keep making you. as oh, make okay. as many
3: films as possible. All right, I, I just keep going. But you know, I mean, I, I think one of the things you know, our, our company is is Firelight Films and Firelight Media. And you know, like one of our founding principles is that people need to tell their own story. Mm. I mean, we believe that we'll we'll we'll, we'll go we'll go to our death our, our death saying that and fighting for that. I mean, we we just think that's really important. You know that 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 people tell their own story. You know. I was working on a a project w- with some Native Americans, you know, and and some somebody else was doing a film on Native Americans and you know they they said, well, you know, well, yeah, and you know they came up, well, you know, we don't really like this white guy doing it and and it, it, they Somebody said, "Well, uh, well, uh, aren't you glad your story is getting told by somebody? That your story is getting told." They said, "No, <laughs> no." Right. They said, no, we, "We don't, we don't, we don't need our story told that bad." That's right. You know, until until we can tell our own story, we we, we we're fine without the story being told.
2: Right, but it's going to be told and distorted <laughs> yeah. the wrong way. We've seen that story already. The Long Ranger, <laughs> All right?
3: You right, know, right. Well, well, I mean, but it's it's, it's it's they're always distorted. You know, I I think that you know. um you know, the, the only people who feel like they can do anybody's story are white folks, you know, right. and white folks feel like they're they're a blank slate, you know, like 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 I'm a white wall and I have no. But, you know, there is something that that there's a lot of uh, uh, academic study about whiteness, you know, and, and that white people have their own culture and and, and their own, own own things, you know, and and, and, and you know, how are you going to do a, a film about my culture and, and, and my people when you're not part of it? See, I I see it
2: almost as—I was thinking about this the other day. I think about it all the time. But they've got this God complex a lot of times. And again, I know I'm painting—
0: Wasn't there a song? Wasn't there the last poet? Oh, the last poet. I just listened to that the other day. white (laughs) white man's got a
2: God (laughs) complex. Yeah. So I said, we don't mean—we want to get you unplugged. (laughs) But but I mean, but the the sort of the brashness to think that I can tell— your story, right. you know, better than you. But you know, I want to go back to something you said because it's so important, and it kind of gets back to um, the thing you did about. I uh, think you did the Black Press, right? Which was I show that all the time. That's like marvelous. That that uh, soldiers, uh, soldiers with last, sword, without swords, masterpiece. I mean, just I show that to just a lot of people because they have no idea. I remember, it starts off with Vernon Jarrett talking about, you know, to white people, we had no, we didn't die, we didn't have birthdays, we didn't, right. we were just these. Criminal, we didn't. We almost did not exist. But but the thing I want to go back to. So you know, um, up at the church, intercession where you were. So there are a lot of movie companies shoot films up there, and I'm always struck by the whiteness of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, these these crews show up, and like the only black people there are like either. Outstanding the street, you know, doing the parking, doing the parking, <laughs> or or like it would be cold as a motherfucker, you know, and, and nobody will be there. They out there, you know, at like two in the morning and shit, you know. But in terms of all the people doing the stuff, the grips and this and that, no black people. Right. And I'm thinking if it wasn't for you or I, I was gonna say Spike, I don't know what Spike's operation is like, but yeah, Spike, Spike uses yeah, a lot of black folks. Yeah. So if if it wasn't for you guys, man, you know, and and it, and and I don't want to preach segregation. I don't want to put a name on but whatever that is and whatever that was
3: we took care of each other we hired each other we I mean that that you can't overstate that right I mean I think one of the big problems is that like like that that scene you described is not even noticed you know anymore you know it's just not noticed you know when when my kids were young you know here in New York City um, you know we would drive by schoolyards and it would be all black and latino kids like, like there would not be one white kid in in there, you know, not one, like how does that happen? you know, and this is in New York City, and then you drive by another schoolyard, and it's all white kids that's you know the, that's and, right. and, and 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 but we don't even notice it, you know, we don't even notice that we drive by those as you say those film crews and and there's not one one person of color working there. Unless they're like out there, as you say, at two in, two in the morning, holding parking spaces, <laughs> right. you know, for, yeah. for 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 the white people who show up later, or or kind of you know crowd control, right? Um, that that, <laughs> right. that 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 that's it, and and we do, but but we don't even notice, you know, we we don't we don't notice and we don't do anything to. to I kind wanted of to
2: I this. Wanted, I, sometimes ask one of them. I mean, do you, I mean, would you guys think that this is right? I mean, is this? And I guess it's like the, the you know the whole fish in water thing, you know, like. The fish doesn't recognize that, you know, to the fish, water is... You know, you take it for granted until you take the fish out of water. Then all of a sudden, the fish becomes aware that this thing you took for granted was... You know, and that's I think white people... Something could just be like that, whether they liberal You just... It's like being a right to a god or something.
3: Well, I, I think yeah. I think also what, what what's so interesting about it, you know, we're doing this film on the slave trade, is that, you know, back then... That was the world people lived in, you know, in in reading there was uh, I just was reading this thing about, you know, the riverboats, you know, the riverboats that that that, uh, you know, we we see in in in, showboat and these other uh, movies, you know, the riverboat gamblers. But one of the things they had in on riverboats were cells where they would lock up slaves because they were taking them down south. You know, mm. how how do you get, you know, sent down the river, right? That's the mm. thing you got sent down, sent down the river on a riverboat. And so while, you know, I'm a riverboat gambler and I'm gambling and, you know, we're wearing fancy dresses and all like that, there's another pin in the in on the riverboat for slaves. Mm. But you don't notice that because that's the world you live in. Just like we don't notice how segregated we are in in you know New York City or, or anywhere because that's the world we live in, um, you know I, I think you know uh, we'll be judged by history very differently.
2: It's striking too in New, in New York of all places, New York. But you know you can. You I
0: mean, can so it's one of the most segregated.
2: Yeah, you can places. start down on in the Village and walk up. I was left just the other day. I was taking the M5 bus and you know get up. I got on like 67th Street or something. And I had to stand. I said, oh, that's okay. By about 90s, <laughs> there'll be, you know, as white people start to exodus, you know, seats become available. I mean, but it's it's just so, um, so blatant. So yeah, just secret- want, oh, oh, go ahead, Annie. I just to
1: add, it's segregated, but you also have more, I think, variety of people here. I mean, if you, there are some communities, it's like, it's noticeable how, how black or white, like the majority of the communities, when you're on the train... Everybody's there. I just feel like you. I walk by and I'll hear different languages. Right. As segregated as New York is, it's still like you see a little.
3: Well, it's a melting pot? Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's a, that's the a great the great unifier of, of, of New York is the subway. You know, because because <laughs> you know everybody takes the subway. You know, if you're in 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 other places, you know, out you know especially out in Los Angeles or there, where you know there, there is not that everybody's in their car and and, and you know there, there is no. Place where people yeah, ever you come. You ain't go see me in the w- fucking place, w- <laughs> <laughs> but I can.
1: Once or twice.
0: Huh? twice.
2: Now, now they talk about the, the virus.
0: But no, but, but New York is very, it's very segregated. It just it has the illusion of not being because it could be a two block situation. It could be you know like right. everybody, right. You know, all white people are here, and then four blocks away, it's completely segregated. And then it's the like wealth, projects or something.
2: The wealth. Yeah. I mean, it's just like from block to block. You know, I said for for you know you run. so you you were talking about th- there are a lot of stuff that you've got on the plate. Mm-hmm. So what's upcoming? Um, you know, you're, you're basking in the glow of Miles, which just came out yesterday. Vic came out during Super Bowl. What's in the next couple of years?
3: Uh, so we have a film that we're doing now. We're actually almost finished on on the crack era. In mm. um, you know so it's it's at this point it's called crack and it's, it's about it's about the crack era and it, it leads from you know um kind of the 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 fascination with cocaine to to crack to you know mass incarceration that came out, uh, uh, about cuz of cuz of the crack ap- epidemic and and kind of you know got us where we are today with with you know millions of black people in jail uh you know for lesser crimes so we we're, we're doing crack um we're doing a huge project um on the atlantic slave trade hmm. Uh, for four hours for PBS on the trade, not on slavery, but on the trade. Um, we're doing a, a film on Attica, which, mm. which is a film that I've wanted to do for, for mm. years and years and years, looking back on, on, on Attica. Um, cause I think that's, you know, again, one of the foundations of where we are today, you know, um, that, that the prisoners of, of Attica kind of thought that, that there was a way that they would you know have their demands met and, instead, you know, they went in with guns blazing and, uh, you know, um, the prison industrial complex, you know, is alive and well. So we're, we're doing that. Just a, a bunch of things. That, you know, we're doing a film on Frederick Douglass, another on Harriet Tubman, like mm. one-hour one documentaries uh, for Maryland Public TV. It's, it's kind of centers on a little bit in, of their time in Maryland. Because Maryland's a, 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 yeah. a really fascinating yeah. place. I mean, I see you got the Morgan mm. sweatshirt on. But Maryland, you know, so, so just one little factoid, you know, Harriet Tubman was married to a free man. Hmm. While she was a slave. I mean, that's, that's, so, you know, you think about, you know, slavery in, in you know, Mississippi or, or Alabama or somewhere where that's all you know. But in a place like Maryland, you were enslaved, but you were like working right next to somebody who was free. <laughs> you might be married next to somebody who was free. So you knew, you know, it, it's just, again, it's just this weird, weird situation. And so we, we want to talk about that. There's a, there was a different slavery, you know, uh, in, in, in places like Maryland, that were border states.
2: What, what did you think of Harriet, by the way?
3: You know, I I kind of liked it. I, you know, I really I, I got I got I got me some popcorn. <laughs> you know, and, and I knew the story. I mean, I knew Harriet wasn't going to die. You know, so I would not have to take, to take a little, little edge off, right? Yeah, you know that. You know, you know what I said when, when we go to go to the movies, as black people, you're like, oh god. <laughs> you know, you know, you know. I mean, that's why you know in in in, in the movie Queen and Slim. I don't know if you saw that, yeah. which I really liked. Like, but I was like, well, why do they have to die? Yeah. You know, with well, this black people making the movie. Right. You know, you know they can they can get away. Yeah. Yeah. Let them go. Yeah. Let my people go. Institutionalized. Let them, let them get to the Bahamas. You know, let them, let them, let them, let them, just, let them go. You All know, right. so I mean, so you know, I, I I mean I thought she was great. The actress was great. You know, I mean Cassie Lemons who directed it has been around forever you know and and made you know some really great films um what's the name of the one she made um she made anyway she made some great films you know early on and, Aaron, and then, you're a pop and, and you're a, a pop. huh I'm sorry, didn't Cassie you? Lemons and yeah. and she um she made one called the caveman mm. something or other and then Eve's Bayou. Used oh, by, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So she, I mean, you know, she's been around, you know, and and so that that's the problem for a lot of times for African American filmmakers, especially and African American women filmmakers, is they make a good film and you know they can't get that second one, when a third one, a fourth one made. Um, but she's been around and and, and has had a, a real career. The, the crack uh, move,
0: the documentary you have coming out. Um, we you talked before about letting time pass and a lot of you know some sufficient amount of time has passed there. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of s- stories have been told on it recently on, on the crack epidemic. You know, from, coming from your perspective, which I know it's a, we just discussed is a different perspective. What what makes this crack
3: documentary different from mm. the ones that are out there? Um, you know, we're not, it's not a. It's not an exploitation film. You know, we're, we're looking at crack from, from, from many different sides. So, so to give you an example, one of the guys in the film um, talks about how he... Uh, you know he was li- black guy he was living in the community. You know he, c- he couldn't get a job. You know we have that famous commercial from McDonald's. I, if you remember Calvin? You know Calvin. Cal Calvin's working at McDonald's. <laughs> right. You know and and, and I, you know he says like fuck Calvin. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I had a job at McDonald's. You right. know I was making no money. Right. You know and right. then his boy comes and gives him some crack and he's like you know oh what's this and before he knows it you know he's he's a crack dealer making tons of money and and, you know um so it kind of goes through that um to where you know he ends up uh, getting shot five times Mm -hmm. and and going to prison but you know um so it's we're trying to look at it from the community's point of view in a lot of ways you know uh we talk about the corrupt cops you know who are who are who are who are are, and you know who are who are Talk, talk about how they take drugs from drug dealers and then sell them, mm. you know, um, how the community is locked up in, in, their, in their houses, can't go out. Um, and all this in, in some ways is, is, is done with the United States. The, the federal government, you know, um, is letting drug smugglers from Nicaragua smuggle drugs out of Nicaragua um, because they don't care. So they're, you know, part of the Iran-Contra thing. Um, so it's all kind of, you know, built into one. And you see, you know, you see Reagan talking about, you know, war on drugs. You see Bush one talking about war on drugs. You see Clinton talking about war on drugs. And each one of them talks about, um, you know, gets further and further out there, you know, because, you know, as one person says, you know, you, you had to be hard on drugs. that you, So, you know, it's, it, it, it's we're trying to tell tell this story and. You know, not as an as a exploitation story, but, but as something that, as someone says, you know, look, this drug, you know, crack changed black folks and it changed America, you know, because now we're living this, with this whole idea of mass incarceration. Mm. One of the great things, one more, just one more thing, one of the interesting things to me about about it is that, you know, that, that black people, you know, so many black, People in their communities, you know, uh, ministers and, and 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 politicians, you know, they were also calling to, for locking people up. Yeah, right. you know, like Kamala are, Harris. Yeah, things are so bad, you know. Let's just let's just lock people up. And so mm. that's what that's what happened.
1: I'm, I'd be very interested to see that because I actually friends who blame like the loss of pro- like family property to crack, just people making bad decisions because they're not with it. And then also, I used to live in Oakland, and I know people who just blame entire, like, generations just kind of, like, lost because of crack. So are you going to look at different cities or is it
3: yeah i mean you know yeah it, it's kind of like a national show i mean we talked we talked talk to rick ross who was like the famous uh drug dealer out of la and, and other people you know from new york not the rapper no not not the rapper. this is the <laughs> original this is the, this is the i think the rapper took his name from it rick did, ross did. being i mean because because rick i mean and rick ross is a really interesting guy i don't know if you ever seen him i mean he was like he was the kingpin i mean he says he was he said he says at one point in the film like a million dollars a day was going through his hands mm. I mean, and he's not lying. He had a lot, a zillion dollars. And, you know, he was like this kind of middle-class guy. You know, he wasn't like a gangster. He was like a middle-class that guy who figured out, you know, how to make money. And he was making it until he got caught and went to jail. Mm. Jesus
0: Christ. Right, which started with, you know, the mass incarceration, the cycle. Your parent goes to jail, and that just becomes a cycle. And the, the kid doesn't have the parents there. We'll, you know, just repeats and repeats.
3: Yeah, and it's also, you know, it, it it also leads to us against the police, which is kind of, you know, what, 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 you know, that, that's kind of what, what we live with, you know, it's, 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 it's we don't trust the police. Did you like American Gangster? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was entertaining, you know, that, that's my memory of it. You know? it was, <laughs> right, it, Denzel. It, it was entertaining. I, You know, yeah. I. You really, I, I wanted to stay on Denzel, I, you know, because I, I started watching a piece of it the other other day, and I and I I had forgotten that there's this whole kind of white story. I forgot who the cop is. Oh,
2: the uh, Frank. Uh, no, no. What's his name? Um, anyway, he was a yeah, big part of that story. Yeah,
3: yeah. but I, I, you know, I mean, I thought, you know, you know. I mean, like nobody, can, you know, Denzel is just so mesmerizing. You know, like you just want to watch Denzel. I was like, why, like why we gotta watch? Can I fast forward to the White Cops? mean We me get back to Denzel because he's so, you know, he's Denzel. Oh god! What about uh, The Wire? Were you, a, were you a fan of that? No, I no. just never, I just never got into it. It's not, it's not like I, I'm not a, I'm a fan. You know, was, you know, like there's so much stuff on TV. Like sometimes you just yeah, miss, you miss it, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it's one of those things that I, I want to go back and watch The Wire because everybody loves it. Yeah, no, I, I loved it. I just, I just never, I just never. Whatever. troubling for me. Because
2: mm. I was in Baltimore. That shit was just so real.
3: Yeah.
2: And I find myself now, I mean, you know, like the documentary is different. But just watching gratuitous violence, I mean, I, I watched Downton Abbey and something. What is this just like, just the, I mean, our existence is so violent enough right. to me I have to volunteer for some shit. I mean, I actually even this, that, we're going to go, but I mean, even the the Kobe thing, um the, uh, it wasn't violent, it was beautiful. But it was just the sadness of
3: it. Yeah.
2: I was like, you know, I, I it was just so sad. I said, well, yeah, am yeah. I going to volunteer for that? No disrespect to anybody, but two hours, I'm like, man, I,
3: you know. Right. right. Well, that, that, that's why, you know, you say a film like Harriet, you know, where I got some popcorn. <laughs> right. I knew that Harriet was, was going to live at the end. You know, it was like she was going to get shot. You right. know? And, <laughs> and, and, you know, I could eat some popcorn because these things are sad. You know, a lot of times, you know, you know when we see a black story, you know, it's 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 the sadness, especially when it's when it's told by white folks, you know, and and so right. you know, because they can't see you know you know black people winning. I think you know,
2: uh, <laughs> right? Howie
3: H- right. H- 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 has this film Sankofa that was kind of made a lot of money at one at one point, and you know, one of the things about it is is you realized you know as a black director, I don't know who's gonna win. You know, and it's about a slave rebellion, and my memory is that and they win. That's right. Like, why not? That's
2: right. Why? There were some victories. I mean, yeah. there, there were. There, I remember uh, John Hope Franklin wrote a book about runaway slaves, and one of the points early on is that what we don't hear about, there were a lot of successful slave rebellions. I mean, you know, they weren't all, like, getting captured. No, there they they were a lot where they, like, wiped out. The Plantation, you know, yeah. yeah, so
1: I find myself sometimes just buying tickets to some black films but not going because I just don't <laughs> want to be sad, but I want to support them. But also, you know, Bill and I work with college students, and something I'll never forget is uh, we were when Black Klansmen and Black Panther came out, the students would rather watch Black Panther because they don't want to talk mm. about the history, they don't want to be sad anymore. And I'm like, how do you balance that? Because I think you, I think the Afrofuturism, I guess they're calling it, is really exciting, but you got to think about
3: the past. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, I mean, I've been very lucky, you know, to, to be able to tell stories, you know, that, that, that look at the, the past in some ways, you know, with a positive spin, you know. I mean, so the Black Panthers, you know, the Vanguard of the Revolution story about the Black Panthers, you know, who weren't successful. I mean, they, 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 you know, and like Marcus Garvey wasn't successful. Everything Marcus, nothing that Marcus Garvey did exists anymore. <laughs> Mm. Nothing, you know, but he was successful because he changed our minds. Mm. Right. The Black Panthers changed our minds for anybody who was around there. You know, they it was the first time I had ever seen a, a black man point his finger in a white man's face. I had never seen that before growing up. You know, and and we live with that, and it changed the generation, and it, and it changed the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation. So I think we got to look for what's positive in these stories, and 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 go with that.
2: And the whole point is that it's a continuum. It's not it's not like one silver bullet that this is history ends here. I mean, it's, it's all an evolution. I mean, it's the existential era, which I think you have, that's what we tell young people is that it's never going to end. I mean, it's not you're looking for this thing that no, it's what did somebody say? Uh, it ain't never going to be over. I mean, we just, we just, just, get, you know, you run as hard as you can run. I run as hard as I can run. You run and then we, you know, pass that baton or make you take the baton is the, and is you the, run.
3: Is the black QB thing over? No. Black QB, why would it be over? Well, for the same reason. I mean, just because, the, just the numbers. And um, no, I mean, I. I well, the same oh. reason people would ask. Oh, you, oh, oh, do you mean? Oh, do you mean that? Like are the, they are the black? Dis- like are, the whole, another. the whole
0: discussion, like, like next, but not, I mean, it's still going on next year. But let's say five years, six years, will we have to? Well, I have, as a reporter have to go up and ask a black quarterback, you know. What's the difference?
3: Or- yeah, I mean, I, I I I thought you were asking the question from the other angle: is are black quarterbacks over as a thing? I thought that's what you're saying. <laughs> oh no,
0: that's not. That's not. I
3: I I, th- I think what's going to be fascinating to me, you know, is what happens when like 80 percent of quarterbacks are black. Yeah. what happens when people realize that the NFL is 70 80% black it's easy for you not to see that and not because one you can't tell what anybody's color is cuz they got on so much stuff but also when the coaches are all white and that's who they cut to on the sidelines the coaches and the quarterbacks are still you know majority white um what happens you know which, which probably is going to happen when seventy, eighty percent of the quarterbacks are now black, or when you know, you, are you are you going to ever play a quarterback just because he's white when you have a, a black guy who who is no doubt a lot better? You know, I mean, and and as yeah, a coach, I think as long as they can, yeah, as long as they can. But as as I think, what's happened now is that any individual coach has to say, I'm going to play the better guy. Or else my job is, you know, like, I'm going to pass it down. Somebody else can do that because my job is on the line. I got to win. But it's almost, you know, society
0: plays such a strong role in this because one of the things you had in Vic was Bowden's quote, or Bobby Bowden's quote, where he Mm. said, and this was what? What year was this, 1999? Yeah. They were there in the championship? Something like that. But he said, you know, what Vic is, that's the quarterback of the future. And he said, 10 years from now. No it's 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 taken longer than it should have sure it sure yeah. should have been five years or ten years after Vic it should have been you know this is the new quarterback this is the new quarterback style but it took 20 20 years to even you know to get to a Lamar Jackson
2: but even even mm-hmm. even with Lamar you had a guy two years ago a year ago talking about this guy should be a wide receiver I mean yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you I think that if, same thing happened to defense remember in our lifetime they said you know black guys couldn't play free safety and they couldn't play middle linebacker and now the entire defense but but See, I, I kind of go back to the jockey, the whole thing with jockeys. We talk about this evolution of black people, and we just have talked talk about this existential thing that we're at. Like, it well, ain't never over? Well, it ain't never over for them either. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like, y'all saw I told these young guys, like, you know, we had a black quarterback summit at Arizona State last week, and Warren Moon was there, and James Harris, and uh, Marlon Briscoe, and Dwayne Haskins was there from Washington, and young kid who starts for Arizona State, but... And they were saying, you know, well, yeah, I think that the door is open. I said, listen, man, as soon as you, as soon as you start thinking that you've arrived, you, you're you're something because these guys, man, are probably figuring at the grassroots level, you know, how do we insert more white guys into the pipeline, you know, because everybody's running now, everybody's running now, you know, just like if you look at the music, right? I mean, we would dominate the music, and but then all, now all of a sudden they change it so that. In order to you've know, you got to now go to school, right you've got to go to conservatories to play the music, so now I mean we're kind of going far afield, but I guess my point is that I don't think you could take for granted that we're you know we've arrived and we're just going to now take it over and right. and there's not going to be any resistance
3: to that happening no i mean i I think one of the the barriers is is you know that um, so for so many elite positions like especially a quarterback you know these guys are going to quarterback gurus you know they're they're being trained to be quarterbacks from an er- early age you know and they're doing things that for s- so many uh, black people black quarterbacks they just can't afford to do it you know i mean i i read about a a, a quarterback i don't i forgot who he was was but maybe he became famous but he was he was going to high school in vermont and he went to one of these quarterback gurus and he said, nah, he, you know, you're never going to, you know, go to a- uh, a- A1 college. You know, you're never going to go to Alabama as a quarterback out of Vermont. So his family moved to California mm. and had him with one of those California quarterback gurus. And, you know, most black folks can't do that. Right. So, I mean, I think that's the savior. I mean, it would be interesting to see, you know, how many of these guys, what's his name, Burroughs and, and those guys have gone to these quarterback Oh, all of them at trainers, yeah. Oh, so have. you know, and and for most black folks, they 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 can't do that. You know, Michael Rick didn't wasn't able to do that, but no. he was just he was so know, superior. So it was
2: he was like a so tough. Cr- yeah. Was and like, that gets uh, back to the backup quarterback. I mean, that's the <laughs> next the next level <laughs> that's is when you, we, right
0: when black and black people will, uh, will have come a long way when you start
2: seeing black backup. <laughs> right. Carrying the clipboard for ten, <laughs> 10 years. Well, you, well, you, you, got, paid. you got, you paid got paid big got, <laughs> like, well, you big know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you
3: got that. You got that now. you like, what, what Teddy Bridgewater, right? Didn't he, he was backup quarterback. Didn't he win? But, like, but he, They were but, ready to use him. Yeah. Yeah. But didn't yeah. he win like five games yeah. in a row? The and the like, end, and like okay, okay. The guy's back. <laughs> you you know, not, get, get so back. Ready. <laughs> right. Losing the playoffs. Get back to me. I mean, you know, I, I don't see. I don't see anybody, a lot of talk about you know people snapping him up, right? Well, well, well not enough. He, not enough. He will, but but that's the
2: whole point. I mean, Bridgewater, he's backup, but the guy was a star. Yeah, I mean, he was like a, a, a bona fide star. Right. The kid in uh, Indianapolis. I mean, I know this is another. The kid in Indianapolis yeah. who stepped in for um, Brissette, Andrew Luck, yeah. Brissett, and he saved their season. Right. He saved their season. Now they kind of run, Well, maybe Philip Rivers will go there. Hey, to your point, I think to the extent that that's like the white guy, like the CEO. And you're right. You're right. The challenge, when 90% of the league is like have black quarterbacks. That's you true. Know, and I uh, never
0: thought about that. You're, you're right. Because the face of the teams and the face of the leagues mm-hmm. are the coaches and the quarterbacks. Yeah. Right? So you can, uh, you can hide the fact that this is the NBA almost. You know the NBA is the I, black league. No,
3: I, I, I mean I, I could be a little wrong on this, but I think I'm pretty sure that 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 NFL is blacker than the NBA at this point. The NFL is blacker proportionally. Proportionally, yeah, because you know you got all those European players now. You know, um, so you know it, you could
2: be see and and, and again Stanley, this I think I'm trying. We're trying to push you to do this <laughs> 40 million dollar slave documentary we've <laughs> been talking yeah. about, it. but. I don't even know if brothers in the NBA, could you get comfortable, you know, and you don't all of a sudden notice when they start talking about globalization and what used to be 1 to 15, pretty much all black. Now, of it ain't 1 to 15 anymore. No. Now, all of a sudden, you've got, you know, cats from everywhere, which is, in one level, is okay. Not, they make a big deal of lucidontage mm-hmm. and all that. And and the media has not changed. The media hasn't gotten, like, 80% black. Right. It's still—the appraiser is still white. But um, man, let, let me, before before we let you go, man, like, what is your source of? We talk about all this stuff, but what is your source of optimism? You know, about just where we're headed. You know, what I mean, because we talked about all this stuff, and you know, but what's your source of optimism? Um,
3: I, I think for me, you know, you know, if if we're talking about you know optimism, you know, for for black folks, you know, I mean, I I, I love black folks. But I, I love black people. I think that um you know we we one of the things that that that's important to us is we've gotta a fight to fight you know and 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 that means something you know it's it's not like we we you know so I wake up in the morning i gotta to fight to fight I got something to- to live for something to push it's not like I'm just you know spinning my wheels, and I think that's really important um I think that that that's optimism you know mm. I think we've got got a long way to go i mean i I'll tell you that. That uh, the, the political situation in this country, you know, and, and the president has made me feel not too optimistic about this country. You know, I mean, I think for for so many people, you know, it slapped us in the face because you know we we knew that there were problems, but we didn't know we were in 1860 or <laughs> some, or, some, or somewhere. You know, I mean, we didn't we you know, and and I think I think for black folks, they got to take that the the right message from that. You know, is that <laughs> yeah, we
2: thought we were. What? We, we during the uh, Obama years we thought we were in Wakanda.
3: Yeah, so, right, the, the right. eight right, years right, we were right. in Wakanda. Right. Everything. Everything is great. But it. But it, it's not. You know. And. Um, you know we we got to understand that you know um, and, and we gotta we gotta make our own our own movement you know I, I think that's really important you know mm-hmm. because there you know there there is well, there is a strength that we have you know one thing always say you know there, there there is a strength that 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 African Americans have and a lot of times it's been used against us oh you know you know oh oh he's black oh she's black you know you know but. We also, I could walk in a room and I could say, oh, he's black. Oh, she's black. You know, somebody can come to me and, and, and they're looking for a job. And I could say, oh, well, she's black, mm-hmm. you know. And that's, and that's a strength we have. <laughs> and I, I think we just got to play to our strengths, you know, as much as we possibly can, you know, um, and just be optimistic, you know.
2: Well, Our guest is in the great, the great Stanley Nelson. Oh. Uh, the great Stanley Nelson, uh, Black Panthers, Miles, uh, HBCUs,
3: uh, Vic. Oh, can yeah. I say one more thing? I mean, yeah, can We have another. Well, I got you here. <laughs> so, um, you know, another film that, that we're doing, and we just got a little money to do a sample reel. We're doing a film about the 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 generation of of, of black baseball players that oh, came wow. after Jackie Robinson. It's called After Jackie, and um, I would love to interview Bill Roden. For that for that film, so yeah, that, I know. we just got a call from your. Uh... And now he's on, he's on, he's on the mic. He can't avoid it. I got him. See, that's
2: that's the only reason we came here. Because uh, no, one of your if, producers, it, called it, yeah. producers called me. One of producers called me, and I was exhausted. You know. So, but yeah,
3: sure. Since we're on the record, sure, Stan.
2: <laughs> but,
3: but you know, it's it's a film that 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 I, you know that that and all kidding aside, man, I'm I'm really I'm really. Excited excited about because it it deals with that generation, you know, that came after Jackie, you know, that, that Jackie, you know, you know, is one of the great, you know, American heroes. Um, but you know, he had the scrutiny of the world on him, you know, he had people looking, you know, and, 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 and the press following him, you know, we just interviewed, uh, 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 former player, Bill White and, uh, Bill, when he, when he went to to play in the minors, he was in the Carolina league. He was the only black player Mm. in the whole league. You know, and they were just, they were. He's playing in some little tiny towns, and there's no press. There's nothing. You know, there's Bill White. By himself, and so I think it's it's a fascinating uh, story, a fascinating thing to think about that 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 next generation that came after, and we all remember, you know, you're about my age, you know, the St. Louis Cardinals that he was on that team that was just just a fascinating, fascinating team with Kurt Flood and Lou Brock. Well, speaking
2: speaking of Kurt Flood, I've been writing these series of stories for the undefeated, petitioning to get Kurt Flood in the Hall of Fame because if it's not for Flood, all these free agents. Right. Would not be free, and in fact, tomorrow in Washington, I got a call from the congressman in Maryland who actually read one of the undefeated pieces. So tomorrow there's going to be this bipartisan um, announcement in front of the Capitol building, uh, petitioning the uh, the uh, senior committee to put Kurt Flood in the Hall of Fame. Uh, it's uh, tomorrow afternoon, and so you know, speaking. So I mean, you know, you mentioned that that era. And what's so interesting is that, you know, Kurt Flood comes out of that era and he's the one basically who basically risked his career for the next level of of, for free agency, which had nothing to do with race. Right. It just had to do, because remember, all the people there were like captives.
3: Right. No, he compared it, he actually compared it yeah. to slavery, you know, he, You know, and, and, and people don't understand that that's how it was, you know, that, that when you were signed, and this is all across the, the board in any sport, sports, if right. you were signed to a team when your contract was up, they could offer you whatever they wanted to offer you, you know, and you had no choice. They could cut you. They could, they could right. trade you. They right. could... Right, right. Out, out of the goodness of their hearts, they could <laughs> right. give you a 20% raise or whatever right. they wanted to give you. Right. Um, and and if you think about what that means to to the modern athlete, you know, uh, if anybody belongs in the Hall of Fame, if anybody should be, you know, pushed in by the players, you right. know, it, it's Kurt Flood because they <laughs> they everybody has benefited from that. Every. Everybody. And, I mean,
2: and, you can talk about but Jackie, and I mean clearly, because well, Jackie opened the door for black players, and he, he did. I mean, but you look and I was, was going to ask you: Is your son still? Is he still playing?
3: Yeah, he's playing at Georgetown. He's yeah. still playing. Yeah, he, still he should playing. be like a junior or senior. He's a junior.
2: Oh, all right. So is he? Is he? He's playing, playing.
3: Yeah, he's playing, playing. Great. Yeah, he's starting. He's great. starting. Um, baseball. Yeah, yeah, he plays baseball yeah. at Georgetown. I'm going uh, down. Is he still in outfield? Yeah, yeah. I'm going down on Friday nice. you know, to uh, to see the see, uh, the That's weekend great. series. So, That's, yeah, great. Yeah.
2: That's great. That's great. Because I when at first. In fact, you were with us with the Roden fellows. That first, you were the first class of Roden fellows, right. and, and you weren't there. But we went to the. Remember, we went to the Times. Mm-hmm. We went to the Times, and your son came with us. Right. And each each of the kids, we are the Times like a one meeting, and uh, you know, uh, each kid stood up and said, "What HBC you went to went to." And then your that stood up. Georgetown. Well, that's an honorary HBCU. <laughs> they looked at the basketball team. I don't know. Y'all look at the basketball team. That's great. That's great that he's he's.
3: Uh, yeah, he's still he's good. still playing. That's great. And he's hanging in. That's great.
2: And bas- baseball is that's another story, but it's a whole another the whole another thing. We're gonna let you go after Aaron asked this question.
1: I'm just curious. Um, you, you know, you did Miles. Um, you just did Vic. Are there any female athletes or musicians you'd be willing to? Do you talk, buy uh, back
3: on? yeah there, there's there's a lot but i you know it's, it's not it's not so, something that I, i've thought a lot about i mean i would love to do something about you know uh uh f- female uh, musicians or athletes I, I think it's it's just an uh, incredible topic you know um but you know i, I mean you know these were projects I, I just haven't had you know time to think about you know you know doing anything else in music or in sports you know it's just kind of Uh, uh, Yeah. I mean, and and I think, and I think for me, the key is, is, you know, who kind of transcends sports, you know, that we can talk about other things and tell other stories, you know, Um, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, one thing we want to try to do is do more than, you know, like, and Michael Jordan made the shot and the Chicago Cubs finally won the world series. But what's the story behind the story? And, And so, you know i would love to do uh you know uh, more sports stories i would love to do you know more music stories um it's just you know i haven't I haven't thought about you know male or female <laughs> In, in in what the next one would be.
1: I'd love to see you do Beyonce when the time is right. Oh <laughs> God,
3: I would I, I would love to do Beyonce. The only reason I say oh God, you know, is that that you know we were up for a Grammy with Miles and Beyonce won. So I, <laughs> I, I don't hear anything about Beyonce.
0: That's a, that's a tough one. That's be
3: tough. Like, well, be like
2: Kevin Durant. Join <laughs> her. Yeah, <Like Joyner>. yeah <laughs> right, right.
3: Well, you know, I mean, look. If you got to lose, you may as well lose to Beyonce. What can you say? I
2: mean, when, when $40 million Slaves came up, I was nominated the same thing. The NAACP, it was the same year uh, Obama wrote. All right. right <laughs> as well, right, right. guess who's going to win that? <laughs> right, 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 Hey, Stanley, this is great, man. Thank you so much, man. And, uh, um, you know, I have tremendous admiration for you. I will do the interview. You've heard it. You've heard it here. Um, But this is my show. (laughs) You're the best man. Thank you so much, man. It's really uh, great being a contemporary.
3: All right. Thank you. It's it's been fun. So, thank you.